This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now buckle in because we have a lot of information to go through and yes, we're going to be here until we get it. Because let me tell you, God is showing you how to operate in every tool that he's given you. So prepare your heart to receive, to be able to handle the tools that he's given you. If you will, your Bible should be already pre-marked in what chapter? Philippians chapter 2, which is our foundational scripture. In Philippians 2 chapter 12 it says, Wherefore, my beloved... As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And we're still in the process of being restored. God put us on the wheel, on the wheel, and he is now molding us and reshaping us and restoring us and we're doing it and letting the master put his hands on us listen one thing you need to understand when you are allowing the master to put his hands on you and to restore you you can't argue with the methodology you got to just go with it because it's not going to fit your, what you want to do it's not going to fit how you think it should be but you want God to put his hands on you because he knows what he's doing and he's trying to get you to a place amen we are learning that God is working on the inside of us and we got to work it out everything that he's working on the inside of us we have to work it out everybody say work it out with me Work it out. You got to work it out. You're going to have to do something. And I told you the intent of this series is that God is preparing us for the next move. The next move in our lives so that He can move us to a place. There's many things that's coming upon this country, upon this land, upon this earth. And God is in the, He's moving. And He's going to use those that have prepared themselves and positioned themselves to be used by him. And these are, this is some of the process that you have to go through and that you're going to have to do in order to be on the front line, to be workers together with him, in order for him to use you in his next move. Amen. And say it again with me. I got to stop and work it out. That's the main thing that you have to understand, that you have to stop and work it out. And then I told you that restoration is a process. It is a process. It takes work. It's not going to, you're not going to wake up one morning and it's just going to be there. It takes work. You're going to have to get the work. And then we have said the goal of this teaching is for us to be established and productive. God wants us to be both. Not just established, not just productive, but he wants us to be established and productive. And then I told you, and we have several things that we're teaching about in this series, and I think this is our fifth or sixth teaching on this particular series, and we've already dealt with, well, maybe this is our third, I don't, well, no, it's about our sixth teaching, but anyway, we're going to, I was teaching you how to rebuild upon those, uh, how God is going to rebuild you, and he's going to restore you about the damages that is done on the inside of you. And we dealt with that in our teachings. And then how to be healed. And that's what we left off on, how to be healed. And we're going to finish up with that, but then we all...
go right into how God is going to teach us to heal our breaches. And we're going to find out much about that today. We, because we need to know about that. Listen, you got to listen attentively. I'm not going to go through everything because we have too much information. But I need you listening attentive, attentively because God is in the business of restoring those that want to be restored. You have to be a person that wants to be restored. Your healing, you listen, make it already set it up in your mind and settle it and make a resolve to understand that your healing is not in a relationship with a person. Your healing is not in a different location, geographical location. You can't move somewhere. You can't move to another church and think you're going to be restored. Move to another city. Because, what did I tell you? Because no matter where you go, it's one piece of baggage that's going to always go with you, and that is your heart. And so, it doesn't matter. It's not in a geographical. It's not even in an experience. You need to understand that. You need to get that down in you deep. Because a lot of times people think it's in all those things that they're gonna, they're gonna change and they're gonna be restored. But it's in none of that. Actually, your healing is gonna come in forgiveness. In forgiveness. And, and, and I'm not talking about going around just trying to apologize to different people for different things. Let me tell you, this damage that's been done, that's in you, it's done, it's done inside of you. But you're gonna have to learn on the inside within yourself that forgiveness is my key. If I wanna be healed from hurts, from past hurts, from things that have been stacked up from time to time, I must forgive. Everybody say forgive. And then we learned what the word forgive meant. It means to let it go, let it be, and leave it alone, and give up the debt. Give up the debt. See, that debt, you know, we don't want, we, we got to give up the debt. I, I'm, I'm not going to even go through all that because I'll, I'll, waste, I'll waste too much of a valuable time because it's in our last teaching. You're going to have to give up the debt. You're going to have to let it go. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. Let it go. You know what? As long as you're talking about it, know know this. You're holding on to it. If you're talking about it constantly, you're holding on to it. Whether you know it or not, you're holding on to it. And God said, let it go. Let it be. It doesn't matter. Let it go. You can do that. You're talking about the healing of the heart. I'm not talking about, see, most people when they're talking about forgiveness, they're talking about the healing of their feelings. But you know what? For this, for this type of healing, you're going to have to get outside of your feelings. You're going to have to get outside, because we're doing it the way God wants it done. So you have to get outside of your feelings in order to be healed. Amen? And let me tell you, it takes work, it takes work to forgive. And the only reason why it takes such hard work to forgive is because we don't want to. We don't want to do it. And God is requiring us to do it. God is saying, oh yeah, you're going to do it if you want to be healed. Amen. We just, for some reason, we don't want to forgive. When someone has hurt us, we feel like we have a right to just hold on and talk about it and still hold on to it. You don't want to forgive and you have to forgive if you're going to be healed. Amen. If you want to get rid of the pain, you know, you got to let it go. Let it go. Stop. And, you know, sometimes I, I find out people like pain. 
They want to keep hurting about that. They want to keep bringing it up. They want to still talk. Let it go. Leave it alone. Let it go and move on. Amen. And then we said the restoration requires that we see from God's perspective. And I'm just, 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 just touching on a few things. We gotta see everything, every situation, every circumstance. I don't care what, let me tell you, you don't have anything, nothing has been done to you that haven't been done before. But we gotta look, God said, you have to look at it from my perspective. As long as you look at it from your perspective, you're never going to forgive. As long as you do, you're never going to forgive. You're never going to forget. You're going to always keep it in there. When you see that person's or person's or situation, if it comes up, you're gonna, it's always going to be right there. You're going to have to leave it alone, let it go, and just forgive and look at it from God's perspective. Amen? And when God tries to show me how to see it, then that's the way I must see it. God is going to show you how to see it. Then I don't care how I want to see it. I'm going to see it the way God shows me. Now, his, he requires obedience. Mm, that's that thing that Christians have a hard time with is obedience. Listen attentively. Because one of the things, see, that, that, that's, an, that's an obedience state. To listen attentively. To submit fully, to conform completely. All of that is the same. All of that is lining up with obedience. I got to flow out of this. Restoration requires that God, that we understand and see that God did not cause our hurt. Whatever hurt that you're in, God did not cause it. Whether it was this system, whether it was a person in this system, whether it was a situation in this system, whatever, but it wasn't God. So I have to say, God, I understand that, and I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. We have to also see, if we're going to be restored, that God is faithful. He's faithful. And whatever you're going through, He's never going to allow you to go through something that He won't provide grace for you. He's always going to provide grace for you. God is faithful to you. You have to say that. God, you are faithful to me. And you have to see Him as faithful. See, not just say it. See, that's, that's the thing with Christians. We got a lot of cliches and a lot of things we say. But you got to see Him as faithful. And if you look at your life, he's been faithful so very many times. And then we said that restoration requires that God, that for us to see that God knows what has happened to you. God knows everything that has happened to you. You don't have to discuss it. You're like, God knows. God knows what nobody else knows. God knows what has happened to you. And that's why, why do you think he saved you? Because he knows. Why do you think that he's giving you a family? Why do you think he's giving you this church? Because he knows. And he knows what you need. And let me tell you, why do you think he put his spirit in you? Simply because he knows. And so, and why do you think he surrounds you with people that love you? In spite of your weaknesses, in spite of your failures, in spite of your hurts, your sorrows... Why do you think he surrounds you with people that love you? Because he knows. So never think that, oh, God just don't know. I need to just break up. God just don't know. He knows, and his way is the best way to get you out of it. Then we said restoration. Also, we have to see the person, from, the person or persons that have, have hurt you from God's perspective. You've got to see them 
from God's perspective. Not just the situation, you gotta actually see the person from God's perspective. And you have to see them from God's perspective because they're God's child too. They belong to God too. Listen, that's why my relationship with God has to be rebuilt. Because I need to understand that I got to, I got to do it God's way. I gotta see it God's word, way. I cannot see this person the way I want to see them. Because if someone has hurt you, you already got an image in your head of who they are, how they are, and you don't want to let it go. And God said, nope, ask me my perspective and I'll show you how to see them. And then you must follow that. Amen? And then don't worry about if what's going to happen to a person that has wronged you. Well, it looks like nothing happened to them. That's, that's none of your concern. All you have to do is do what God has said for you to do. That's, see, again, you're still trying to bring yours in and add it on to God. You, no knowledge you have, no wisdom that you think you have on your own can connect with the wisdom of God and make it right. God's word stands alone. So what he's telling you to do, don't try to add anything on. Well, I would do it, but no, it's no buts. It's no you. And don't try to don't try to misquote the word and try to fit the word in and misinterpret the word to try to still bring it in on what you think that it should be saying. Well, I know God said, but God is not telling me this and God. No, God is telling you specifically what he wants you to know. Listen, God does not take sides. I told you he takes his will. He does not take sides. So don't look for him to take sides because he does not take sides. Now, all of this requires obedience. It requires obedience. If I'm going to see this person or persons... From God's perspective. Because if I don't, some little touch or any little movement or any little word or any little, um, any kind of look or just a look sideways, any of that, guess what? You're going to be hurt again. You're going to be hurt again. Why? Because it's a hurt on top of a hurt, on top of another hurt, on top of another hurt. And then again, I'm holding on to the death. And then that's a hurt. And so it's just piling on. And you and, 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 and this is your position. Now you're bankrupt with debts. Of all the things that people or a person is going to have to do to try to make you feel better. They need to do this. They need to do that. They need to do this to me. They need to make sure they're doing that. They go, See, you are piling it on. You're like, you owe me a debt. You need to make sure, you need to come by here, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do all of that. You need to pay the debt. You got to understand this. Forgive, even though you don't want to. Because when you get to that state, let me tell you, you don't see it. But at some point, you just become a non-functioning human being. You think you are functioning, but you become a non-functioning human being. And you're going to have to learn how to do the hard work of forgiveness. And again, it's hard only because you don't want to. And again, I know it's not easy to forgive. I know I've been there. I've been there. God has to have had to deal with me in so many different areas. 
so many different areas. I mean, I think about people that have done this to my founding pastor, and I want to hold on to it and say, you know what? No way, no way. And God said, you had better look at it from my perspective. I mean, if I could look at all the people that have done something or said something about my founding pastor or myself or my family, and I'd be like, you know what? God, and God said, you are not your own. You're bought with a price. You belong to me. And let me tell you, if you ever want to be hindered in your ministry, in your life, in your calling, don't forgive. You got to leave it, let it go, leave it alone, walk away from it, and let the debt go. You have to do that. Amen? Just be honest. And see, and see, don't, but I really don't, no, 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 let's be honest. You don't want to forgive. You don't want to do it. You want to hold on to it and you want to, yeah, and you want to keep it because you feel like you have a right. Listen, you don't want to let it go. And that's why when people get with you and they talk with you, they can be with you 20 minutes and let me tell you, they will know, you know, they, they will know your hurts. Because it's there. Because In case you forget, they'll remind you because it's there. You're going to have to listen attentively, submit fully, and conform completely. If you're going to do, if you're going to be restored, you got to listen attentively. Don't listen for anyone else. Just listen attentively for yourself. And then submit fully. You can't half submit. You can say, well, okay, I'm going to forgive this one, but I'm not going to forgive that one. No, that's not submitting fully. Or you, gotta, you can't say, well, okay, I'm going to forgive him for this, but I'm never going to forgive for that. i got to hold on. That's not submitting fully. And conform completely. Completely. I'm like, Father, I am transformed. I'm going to do your will no matter what. I'm, that's conformed. I mean, completely. I'm not going back there. And this is where we left off last week. On, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Run over there. And we got a lot of information that we're going to continue with. Listen, restoration requires, write it down, letter A, that I see people or a person as they are. As they are. Sometimes it will require you to see people as they were at the time that they hurt you. Listen, people that hurt you, are hurt, uh, uh, they're incapable of living a different way. And they, so they're, gonna, they're lost, some. And they're, they're, they're incapable of doing anything else, nothing else but hurt you. Sometimes we are hurt by people who are unrighteous. And it's, you know what? They're not your personal enemy. They're just unrighteous. Some people are just broken. Broken people. And broken people will hurt other people. Listen. Please write this down. You can never expect a healthy relationship from an unhealthy person. You never will. You cannot expect a healthy relationship with an unhealthy person. Some people just doesn't, do not have the capacity at that time that they came across you to be any better than they were with you than what they were. Some of you are upset. Some of you are upset out there because your parents wasn't in your life. But really, listen, God told me to tell you this. You know, you've been upset for years 
Oh, my parents wasn't in my life. Um, but really, the best thing that ever happened to you is probably that they weren't. And they had enough sense to leave you alone. So you don't see it that way. Because had they been in your life, you'd be in a worse state than you are now. You just don't see it. You would have more hurts than you have now. So we have to see people with compassion. They need Jesus and they need to be made whole. So you don't have to get frustrated about this, that, and the other. They need to be made whole. They're miserable. They're in a miserable state. You don't see it because you think, oh, I don't see them and they must be doing this. They're miserable. They're in a miserable state of life. And what a miserable state of, state of life is to spend your time trying to get a person back. Get back at people that have hurt you. Mistreat people. They don't, you know, you know what? They don't need your anger. Another thing you must remember that you're going to, when you're doing all of that, you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged for what you did or did not do. See, that's what, see, that's what settled my thing with God when God said, you're going to be judged. See, I believe, see, when I hear from God, I know what to do. He said, now, you, you, you keep that up, you're going to be judged. You have an opportunity now to let it go, let it be, and give up the debt right now. Or you will be judged. Sometimes people that hurt you, they're hurt, they, they hurt you out of their hurt. Know that. They've been hurt. And they're hurting you out of that hurt. Sometimes we, we, you know, we're with people who are unsaved. And they have no relationship with Jesus at all. I don't know how come you think you wouldn't get hurt. And I know we say that deal when the people do that and you say, you know, I don't know about this because even if I wasn't saved, I mean, they're unsaved, but if I wasn't unsaved, I wouldn't have did that. Well, guess what? You did do that. Or it might not have been the same thing, but you did something. You did something. Maybe it wasn't exactly what they did, but I'm going to tell you, you've done something. There's not a person in this, this, this sanctuary here and not a person streaming. And, there, and no person that's not streaming, listen to me closely, there's not one person that have not been hurt and have not hurt someone. Know that. Not a person that have not been hurt and have not hurt someone. Listen, some people are just unequipped. Know that. They're just unequipped. Many of you were hurt by someone that just was unequipped for the job. you got to be okay with that and say, okay, I, I understand it now. They were un- some, some people were unequipped to be your mother, to be your father. They were unequipped to be your uncle, your auntie. Just not equipped. We have to see them for who they are. But we also have to see them as a child of God. And we got to see, no matter how they've hurt you, that they are loved by God. See, that's hard for us. That's hard for us. We're like, really? Really, they don't deserve. It's not about what they deserve. 
And it's not your job to try to punish, chastise, or correct his children. They belong to God. They're still his children. He still loves them. Just like it's your job to chastise, discipline, punish your children, but you still love them. It's the same thing. And just like your children, when they don't realize that they're always, there's always time for mercy. Even when we were dealing with our children, there's always, we have given them mercy. But there's also a time of judgment. So it is with, the, with God's children as well. There's always a time of mercy, but there will also be a time of judgment. He will always, God will always have mercy before there is a judgment. God never just comes straight out and judge. He always, not sometimes, now I don't care what you've done, He always has mercy before judgment. Always. And every one of us that are parents in here, we, we, underst- we, we understand that. Because before we have, all of us in here, before we have ever finally disciplined uh, our child, n- notice, it was never, when we finally did discipline them, it was never because that was the first time they'd done it. <laughs> never. You either talked to them about it, you told them to quit, you told them to stop. Even young children, you, you, you know, you don't even spank them the first time. You're telling them no, you're telling them not, you're telling them how to live, you're telling them what not to do, you tell them all that. All of that goes before the judgment. They would have accumulated, uh, they, that'd be a great accumulation of things that they would have done. And, they, and, and a lot of things that they do for a period of time, and you let it go. You got that from your father. That's called mercy. It's called mercy. You let it slide. You didn't address, but, you know, but in your mind, you would be thinking, you know what, this child is going to come to. <laughs> you know, eventually mercy is going to run out for this child, because I keep telling him over and over and over. And what you, what are you trying to do? The same thing that your father's trying to do. You're trying to give him a little space to get it right. Just get it right. I keep telling you what to do. I'm telling you how I want it done. I'm telling you this is not good for you. That's not good for you. I'm giving you a space and time to get it right. But if they don't take that space and time and get it right, we always have a solution. See, that's why I say, we never just go in straight out. We give them a time of experience. So it is with God. God never just goes in with judgment. He gives you a time and a space, a span of time to just get it right. God is the same way. Hmm, don't seem like nothing's happening to them. If somebody's hurting you, that's not your business. Why? Because that's not your child. You can only punish your child. You can only chastise your child. So if someone's done to you, you can't, mm, well, God, I want, that's not your child. That's God's child. You better get this. That's God's child. Maybe he's giving them a space to figure it out on their own and to walk in his way. He's placing people in their path to minister it, have their ear to get them where they need to be. And you just want God to crush them. But you don't do that to your own children. 
you don't do that to your own children. God's like, they need to change. But don't you ever worry. Just like as a parent. Listen, if they don't figure it out, God has no problem from moving from the mercy seat to the judgment seat. He has no problem with that at all. No more than we do too. We have, we, we, we can stay on the mercy seat for only so long. And then our children, we, that's what we say. Now that's enough. That means I just got up off the mercy seat and I'm now on the judgment seat. And children know it too. They're like, oh, I'm on that, that, we call it that last nerve. No, that's just moving from the mercy seat to the judgment seat. God has no problem with it and neither do we. God can occupy a judgment seat rightfully. If you don't believe it, think of your own life. And when he switched seats on you. Oh, just think back. Oh, I could think of times when he switched seats on me. Restoration requires that I see people with compassion. With compassion. We have to see people with compassion. I tell people, ask yourself this question. What must it be like for that person on the inside of them to do what they did? See, then you can have compassion. You know what? They must be really in a bad way to do what they did. See, see that, it shouldn't build up anger. It should build up compassion. They must be really a miserable person. When you think what must be down on the inside of that person to do what they did, it makes, you know what, it makes, for me, it makes me feel bad. For them. How their life must be. See, that's on the inside that nobody else sees. Because, see, if somebody hurts me or, you know, something, uh, you know what, let's say, if somebody said something or done something to hurt my founding pastor or myself or what, my family or whatever. And I'm using me, for example, but you, you, you know, you, I'm just talking about overall. Listen to me closely, attentively. Guess what? We've moved on, but that person still got that on the inside of them. They still that person on the inside. We've moved on. I've made, you know, I've been made whole, or we've been made whole from all of the things that were said or done. And you know what? And guess what? They're still stuck with that. Still stuck with that. You know what that will cause you to do? If you're a child of God, it'll it'll cause you to have compassion and say, "Oh my God." What must be going on on the inside? It's not, you know what, and it's not easy to have compassion. It's just like forgiveness. It's not easy. But you have to have it. If you look at people and experiences that have hurt you through the eyes of God, you can see where you can have compassion for the state of another person. You can see it. Listen, if all the people that have tried to hurt me in my life Listen, I have continued to arise. Continue to rise. I, it doesn't matter. I have continued to rise. And guess what? And they're continuing to decline. See, you may not see it. Because, see, this will, give you, this will give you the ability to have compassion. 
See, because I'm not impressed with when I see people on the outside. Because God is dealing on the inside. God said, every time that they're walking around smiling and they're doing this, that, and other, but on the inside, they're declining. And you're rising. That makes you have compassion and say, oh, Father, what do I need to do? What is my part? I, have, I need to have compassion on them. Not anger. Did you hear me? Not anger. It causes you. To have compassion. You can see where you can have compassion. Because of the state of another person. Listen. If all the people that are tried to hurt. Let me tell you, you. You know. You have to feel bad for them. I feel bad for people that, that, that attack me even to this day. I feel bad. People that attack me now. Because why? Their lives. Just because of who I am and what I represent and because I belong to God. Nothing in and of myself of who I am. Because let me tell you, if it was about just me and who I am, let me tell you, I'd be as ruthless as they are. But because of him, God said, every time somebody attack you, attack you or your family, their lives. And this is not just for me. I'm giving myself as an example. But you are a child of God. It's not because I have any special spot with him or special calling that he just got this special thing. This is for all of his children. When someone attacks you, that's why you can have compassion. Because God said, because you belong to me and you are my child, their lives begin to unravel. And you are going to begin to rise. See, a lot of times we don't see what God is doing and how he does it because we don't see it in the natural. But see, God's spiritual. We got to see it that way. You know what? When you, when, you get, when you get revelation of that, you'll have compassion. You know what? Then don't get the satisfaction. This is the, this is the, this is the thing. Because the persons or people or whatever that is attacking you in whatever way it is, listen, they don't even get the satisfaction of the effect that it has on the other person. You know why? Because their life keeps, your life keeps going up and theirs keep unraveling. So they need God's mercy. They need God's mercy. They need His love. Some of you, listen, listen to me closely. Some of you are angry with somebody that you willingly impregnated or let impregnated, you know, or got impregnated. You're really upset with them. You need to have compassion. Because the solution to that issue is they need to be made whole. They need to be made whole. Then restoration requires that I see people without hate. Listen, if this was easy, it wouldn't take this long to teach it. Are you in Matthew chapter 5? Beginning at verse 43. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou should love thy neighbor and hate thine enemies. 
But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Listen to it. That ye may be the children of your Father, which is of heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans, the heathens, the sinners do the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than anybody else? If you're only good and you only want to hang out with just people that you're, you're just your brethren, do not even the publican so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. You know, the word hate has a lot of meaning. But let's keep it simple to something we can all understand. To hate means to pursue with the desire to destroy. To pursue with a desire to destroy. Let me tell you how we manifest hate in this dispensation of time. We manifest hate by what we say, by text, by type, by tweet, by post. See, this, uh, we bring it into this dispensation. Why do you hate them? Why do anybody else need to know what has happened? That's hatred. You know what you're doing it for? To destroy them. You're doing it to destroy them. There are some of us that we have, listen, we have talked so badly about people that they can't even come to church. Now you want to witness to them. Listen, listen. Now you want to minister to them and you want them to come to your church. But they like the same church that you were talking to me about that pastor or that, the, the leadership at that church or what was going So now you want me to come. They won't. Well, if you can't say amen, just say ouch. You're at home by yourself. Nobody will hear you. Because it's the truth. They're like, mm, no, you're trying to tell me to come. They can't come to your church. You have destroyed them in the church. So what is the hard work we need to do? To shut up. <laughs> That's a hard work for some people. To just shut up and let God repay. That's not your job. You don't have to try to destroy them. That's not your job. Well, I'm just saying it because I wanted to warn them. No, you didn't. No, you don't. You don't want to warn nobody. You want to destroy them. I'm telling you, it's God's way. You want people to know because it hurts the other person. It's not a warning. It's a destruction. You must let go of the hurt. You want people to know you got to let go of the hurt. Now, this is the secret that nobody tells you, and I'm going to give you this secret, and that way you'll always know. When you run down somebody else, they walk away feeling worse 
about you. They don't feel worse about the person you're running down. They feel worse about you. See, that's the secret nobody tells you. Because they walk away thinking to themselves, I can't believe they just ran her down or him down just like that in front of me. Hmm. I can't believe they did that that way. And now you're just more hurt. But restoration causes me to see my present situation from God's perspective. What do you mean, Pastor? My present situation. Listen, if you've been hurt, here's the good news. You are not where you were. Because see, now, your present situation, you can see it from God's perspective. See, now you can see it from God's perspective. Look at, look from, look, uh, look at it from the, uh, for the fact that you've already obtained mercy and found favor. You've gotten it right. For every person that wasn't raised by a parent, think of the dozens of people that stepped in to help raise you though. See, you got to think. See, that's thinking from God's perspective. Not so much thinking about they weren't around for this. This one wasn't around for that. But think about all the people God brought in your life along the way. That got you through. See your present situation. See the mercy. See the favor. Think about how much good has happened in your life compared to the evil that you think have happened in your life. And if you would take an honest assessment of your life, you would see that your present situation, the good that have happened in your life. I'm talking about if you see right now, your present, now some good has happened in your life. No matter what all the bad things that have happened, no matter all about all of that, just where you are right now, you can see that God had favor on you in the midst. See your present situation and see the favor of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. That's what it was. The favor of God. How he lifted. He has lifted you from that situation of hurt. And have put you now on a good foundation. Somebody ought to be dancing in the living room right now. Somebody ought to be saying hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Everything. That was the favor of God. You know what? This is interesting. I could ask everybody in this room, or I can ask all of you out there streaming. I can give, I, if I can ask anybody in here, give me a list of five things or five people that have hurt you. You can ring them off. Ring them off. You wouldn't even have to think. Bam, 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 bam. I know exactly who they are. Most of you can run them off. You know why? Because we tend to keep that list. But then I ask you the same question, tell you to give me a list to show all the favor people that have came in your life in your times of struggle and 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 have helped you. You have to think about it, cause see that list is not as important as keeping that list of people that hurt me. I got that. But if you look at your life. More people have been sent in your life 
from God to help you than those that have hurt you. They really have. I mean, if you look at all, you look at school teachers, coaches, uncles, aunties, and um, uh, grandparents, moms, dads, neighborhood fam- uh, mothers, godparents, those type of moms, dads, all those friends, church family, and fellowships. People in the prayer ministry that's praying for you when you don't even know it. Praying for you when you wasn't even thinking about them. All of these people God has surrounded your life with to make sure that nothing that happened to you would destroy you. See, He surrounds you with it. He's put you all in that place so you can come back to be what He desires you to be. He's given you all of that. And let me tell you, if we look at it, it pales in comparison to the few things that you think have happened in your life. The goodness of the Lord. So you have to realize, when you see your present situation, that you have some help for your, from, for your infirmities. I have some help. You don't have to stay wounded. You do not have to stay wounded. That's a choice now. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. When you see things from this present perspective that God is working things out for your good, you are winning. It doesn't mean that everything was good. Listen, please write this down. Because no, it doesn't mean that everything was good. But listen to this closely. God does not rework what has happened in the past. God does not rework what happens in the past. I'll say it again. God does not... No, no, it wasn't good, but God doesn't go back and rework what happens in the past. He works what happens in the present. Right here, right now. God doesn't rework in the other words. It wasn't... Oh, it wasn't that bad. No, no, it was bad. He can't rework what has happened. But what he does, he says, now, that is the past. Forgetting those things that are behind. But now I just need you to love me, trust me, stay in my will. I can't rework the past, but I can work what happens going forward. That's good news. And I can make sure, from this point forward, that things work together for your good. For your good. Why? Because you love me and you trust me. See, this is a trust issue. And by the way, if your life is now on a good foundation, what did all that hurt really do after all? Because see, now your life is on a good foundation. It didn't do anything. Because God, who is rich in mercy, made sure that what? No weapon formed against you was going to prosper and nothing that happened to you was going to last. That's good news. Now go with me to James chapter 1. We got a lot of more information to get to, a lot of more knowledge to get to. Now subtitle this, Repairing Our Breaches. 
We're moving from hurt. We're making a turn. Restore. Let's, let's prepare our breaches. The breaches in our lives. Let's make the turn because we can. Amen. We're making the turn. Subtitle. Repairing my breaches. I am not fully restored until the breaches in my life have been repaired. That is whole and healthy until the breaches that are repaired. Well, Pastor, what are breaches? I'm glad you asked. Breaches are simply broken places. I have made to, you know, I have to make sure that the broken places in my life has been repaired. A breach is a gap. You know, a fence is pretty useless if it has a gap in it. Because anything can go in and out. There's a gap in it. It's useless. Listen. And there's places in our lives where we have gaps. Instead of everything connecting, there's missing pieces in our lives. A breach is an area of repeated failure. All of us, if we look at our lives, we either have had or areas of repeated failure. You know, we try to look at, we try to look at all the areas where we don't struggle. See, we all like to look at that area. Well, you know, I'm good here. But if we're honest, we have those areas where I keep getting tripped up. I keep getting tripped up. In this place, over and over and over again, that same place. Listen, a breach is an area where we give place to the adversary. Because it's a gap. It's an opening. A breach is an area where we give place to the adversary. Meaning whenever the adversary wants to mess with our lives, whenever he wants to tempt us, distract us, Pull us off course. He's always going right there. That same place. Because why? It's a gap. He don't have to do anything new. He doesn't have to do anything new. Just go right there to the same place. Did you hear me? It's called a breach. Breaches are areas of neglect. And all of us have areas. We either have or have had areas where we just didn't want to deal with it. And we let let it go neglected. Mm. Have you ever had a project in your home? Listen to me. You have you ever had a project in your home? That you know you needed to do, but you just can't get to it. You need to do something about it, but you know what? But that project is positioned in such a way in your home that you don't see it every day. So you're not out to just go and do the project because it's kind of put away. You know you need to do it, but it's not something I see every day. So I'm not, I know I need to do it, but I won't. So if we don't see it every day, I'm just, you know, time just get away. Because it's like, mm, but that's a breach. And it has to be dealt with. 
Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about projects in your house. I'm talking about projects in your life. See, I give illustrations, but don't get caught up with the illustration because I'm dealing with your life. And you know there are projects you just kind of put to the side. Hmm. Listen, a breach is an area where we are unprepared to do what God said. A breach is where we are unprepared to do what God said. And most devastating of all, a breach is an area that makes us an ineffective witness. Mm. Meaning that when we are right in the middle of our witnessing, See, and I'm not talking about you you just sitting up trying to lead somebody to Christ. I mean, just in the witnessing of your life, right in the middle of you witnessing, people identify your breach. And that's the reason why they won't listen to you. And they don't listen to you. They recognize it. They see that gap. They're like, oh yeah, you talk like that, but you know what? No. They're not, they won't listen to you. If your relationships are damaged and my hurts are not healed, listen, I'm not going to be able to repair my breaches. That's why these other teachings, you better go back and listen to them and grab a hold of them because if they're not done, don't worry about this teaching. You will not repair your breaches. You got to get that damage done that's in you, the hurts, you got to deal with it, whether you want to or not, then you're in position to repair your breaches. See, this is a progression. This is a work in progress. If my relationships are damaged and my hurts are not healed, I'm not going to be able to repair my breaches. You know why? Because I'm going to need relationships to help repair my breaches. And see, if you haven't repaired, uh, got your relationship with God right and with others, and so you can be right with others, let me tell you, you're going to need relationships to help repair your breaches. Breaches are not going to be able to be repaired with you working all by yourself. Know that. Now, I'm going to share the answer with you and then we're going to chase it for the rest of the way. We're going to chase it. To repair the breaches in my life, I must desire to rise and build. I must desire to rise and build. See, just because something is broken or neglected doesn't mean you have a desire to do something about it. (laughs) That was good. Just because somebody, it don't mean that you have a desire to do something about it. One of the things that irritates me the most, I'm telling you, I can't stand broken things in a house. Did you hear me? I can't stand that. It just irritates me. Anything that is broken, it it needs to either be repaired or thrown out. Things that doesn't work in a house, it drives me crazy. So I'm not putting a TV on top of a TV. If the one is broken, get it out of there. What are you, it's not a coffee table? Did you hear me? Get rid of it. Now listen to this. Don't get caught up with the illustration because I'm talking about your life. Listen to this. Just because something is broken... Doesn't mean you have a desire to fix it. That's why God is teaching us now. Because see, a lot of times, you, you talk yourself out of understanding that you're broken. 
That is why it's an area of neglect because you don't have a desire to fix it. These breaches are not revelations, neither is it illuminations. There's, these are decisions. Ooh. Did you hear me? These breaches are not revelations, neither is it illuminations. They're decisions. Am I going to do something about this? Am I serious about changing my life or am I playing games? That's what you need to ask yourself this morning. In other words, to get out of complacency. We've done some teaching on Nehemiah. Nehemiah had to do what, uh, do that because with the, with the children of, e, of Israel. Because when it was, when the, when the gates was in ruin and the whole land was, was just, just lying in ruin, the gates was torn down, he said, how long are we gonna stay this way? So you got to bring it to your attention. How long are we going to stay like this? How long are we going to be a reproach and an embarrassment? At what point are you going to arise and build? At what point? In the New Testament in Ephesians 5, it puts it this way. It says, Awake thou that sleeps. Get out of that state that you're in. Redeem the time. See, it's been like this a long time. Another place in the Bible, it says, it says that it's high time. The night is far spent. It is high time to do something. And I love the way Jesus put it. He put it in a more eloquent way. He said, you have to work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Getting us to understand. Listen, we have to stop adjusting our lives around our breaches. See, we have this gap and we just keep adjusting our lives around our breaches. We need to fix our breaches. And here's the thing. And this is why marriages are in crisis. Because we have a bunch of married people who want their spouses to live around their breach. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. We have a bunch of spouses that are, want their spouse, a bunch of marriages, I'm sorry, that want their spouse to live around their breach. Listen, it's not your spouse's responsibility to build their life around your gaps. It's your job to repair your breach. Mm, well, you, you know how I am. You know, you know, you know how to get nowhere early. Don't, you know, let's do it this way. They're not required to live around your neglected areas. Wait a minute, I'm going to do it. We just go when we want to. We just do. what. Wait, that's your gap. It's not their responsibility to walk around your trash. And it is trash. At some point, it is your responsibility to take out the trash. We're talking about dealing with the breaches in your life. Listen, you may not like this teaching, but you're already here. You're already streaming. And let me tell you, God's not going to let you know. You know what? I found out something. The Spirit of God won't let you leave. <laughs> he won't let you leave. 
because it's something you need to hear. So some of you came on and said, you know what? Oh, I heard that Sister Hill is there. I want to just go see. You thought you came to see me. But God is showing you him. God is showing you him. Because all that carnality of trying to see what someone is doing or how they look or what's going on, all of that, God said, I'm using all of that to make you be still in here. So, you might not like it. Breaches are not repaired without, listen, persistent effort and a desire to glorify God. See, you have to have, you have, to have a great effort and my desire at the end of all of this is that my life glorifies God. You've got to want to please God. Restoration requires, point number one, repairing our breaches in who I am. And who I am. What do you mean? That means I have to fix who I am. What's wrong with me? I know all of us think we're perfect and there's nothing wrong, but God said, nope. But this is going to fix what God is trying to fix in you. See, here's the thing. When I say repairing the breaches in who I am, I have to deal with what I see and what I have been shown. You have to deal with it. What you see and what you have been shown. Even in this teaching. See, because some things you see and some things you are shown. Some things you can see and some things you've been shown. And usually what our flesh likes to do is when we are shown something, we want to argue with the methodology of how it was shown. What? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Who we are as opposed to the truth. See, that's what we want to do. Who we are. I know who I am. Mm -mm, mm -mm. As opposed to the truth behind what God just showed you. See, even in this teaching, what you have saw don't have nothing to do with who you think you are and what you think you know. This has to do with truth. Hmm. Don't argue with it. Well, she didn't have to put it that way. They, they always try to tell me. They always try to tell you at Church of Living Water something about, you know, they always, you know, telling me something about me. Ask yourself, but was it true? See, whenever you get like that, just say, was it true? Is it who you are? Hmm, you're not my mother. You're not my father. I don't know why they try to be all up in your face, you know, when you come to church and trying to tell me about me. But was it true? What you were shown. Was it true? Only my mother and my father can tell me. But was it true? Only my parents. Was it true? But listen, see, when people say that, listen. When your parents was telling you about yourself, you was busy saying, mm, yeah, they said, no, I just can't wait to get out of there. I can't wait to leave. I can't wait to be on my own. I can't wait to go off to college and get out of here. I can't wait to have my own apartment. I can't wait. You were saying all that when 
They were telling you, now authority tells you something and you want to say, you're not my parents. Now which one is it? Because you weren't listening to them. <laughs> Maybe the problem is you just don't want to be told the truth. Let's call it what it is. And guess what? If folk can't tell you the truth, guess what? God is a folk. So you don't want to hear him either. See, the difference is you can mouth off to a person, but you can't mouth off to God because he's invisible. He's an invisible entity. So you can't mouth off to him you just internally mouth off. But be careful. <laughs> that invisible God does visible things. Did you hear me? Be careful with that mouthing out on God on the inside. Because that invisible God does invisible things. James, are you in James chapter 1? See, we love faith. Everybody love faith. I'm a faith teacher. Faith this, faith that, faith this, faith that. Listen, we love faith, right? Everybody loves faith. James chapter 1. We get into verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. See, what you're going to hear... Listen, what you're going to hear is like a mirror. Mm, get it. The word is not a window. It's a mirror. See, it's not a window for you to look out into other people's business. See, there's two types of glasses. There's windows and there are mirrors. The word is a mirror. And when you come to church, we try to use the word as a window. I'm going to look in here and show my husband how he needs to change. Show my wife. I'm looking there and see, show them how to change. I'm going to look in there and, and what she needs to do. My wife, she, you need to do this. Ooh, I hope my children are listening to this and if they don't go to this church and if they, they didn't hear it or they missed it, I'm going to make sure they get the CDs so they can listen to it. It's not a window. Listen, if you leave this teaching, whether you're in here or you leave this time of, of streaming with no work after all of this to do, you've been trying to look through the Word through a window instead of listening to the word as a mirror. See, because you feel like you don't really have that much work to do because actually it's talking about this person. Is that, I'm looking out seeing who it's all talking about. But if you look in the word, it's not a window. It's a mirror. Look at verse 23 and 24 again. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth away, goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth 
what manner of man he was. I understand this work completely. Listen, for a lot of you right now, you have an image of yourself. And that image you might have of yourself may not be that image anymore. Maybe it was at one time, but it may not be that image now. It may not be that image now. Look in the mirror. That's how you really know how you look. The mirror of the work. Don't get caught up in the illustration. No, I'm talking about your life. I just told you the mirror is God's word. Look into the mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> You'll see who the fairest of all is. Look in the mirror. Because that image you have of yourself, it might not be that right now. Listen, but when you leave the mirror, you can forget what you saw. That means you can sit up in here and hear the teaching and hear everything that's happening right now. You are streaming. You're all in the mirrors right before your eyes. You see it all. And as soon as this streaming stops, as soon as we walk out the door, you can walk right out of here and forget what you saw. And think you still have that image. That's how you can get out and talk and do anything after you come out of here. That's how you can get up and come in here, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and go right outside of this and have sex outside of marriage. That's seeing yourself in the mirror while you're here and walking right out and forgetting what you saw. Ah, I ought to hear amen from Church of the Living Water. I hear you, I hear you. I hear you. Now sit up on the couch and sit straight now because the mirror is right there. The mirror see you slouching. Sit up. Pay attention. Attentive people are alert and up. Their back is straight. They're hearing. Adjust yourself. Listen to me closely. That's what we do. We look into the Word of God. It is a mirror. It shows you clearly. What you are. But you can walk away and take that image. Right back that you think you have. And forget what he just showed you. He could tell you all about yourself and show you a mirror of yourself. And somebody come and give you a compliment and you just forgot that he just told you everything opposite of what they said. We can look at God's word and forget what we saw and what he showed us. Restoration requires letter A, that I repair breaches in my character. See, character is not, listen, character is how we are regarded. It's how we are regarded. And I got to repair the breaches in my character flaws, my character issues, my character gaps. I have to make sure that I'm not a low-character person. See, here's the problem with character. 
Character is how you are regarded. I just told you that. And what happens is there are sometimes more than one type of character. Really, Pastor? See, there's a perceived character. Perceived character is what people think about you. And usually what we have, if we have different uh, perceptions. Listen, in different locations. We have different characters in different locations. So perceived character is what people think about us. Some of you have a job character. Some of you have an in-house character. Some of you have church character. Work in the ministry character. <laughs> oh, don't forget in the front of pastor character. Those are all perceptions. Know that. They're all perceptions. In other words, when I say that, I am projecting myself in such a way that I'm going to give these people a perception of who I am that fits my agenda. In that place. Whether it's on the job, whether it's in church. i got to show them what I want them to think in that place. That's my agenda. Listen to me. There are very, very few people who have the character across every platform of their life. Very few. Too many of us have too many different characters in too many different locations. So that means that we also have deceived character. See, there's perceived character, but then there's deceived character. The deceived character is often how we think about ourselves. We think that nobody can tie all the deceived and perceived characters together. And we think that we are just, you know, you know, that we just have to project ourselves. Because nobody can really, they, they, they can't really see it. The perceived character <laughs> or the deceived character. Hmm. That's the deceived character. What do I think about myself? Hmm. And this one is a good one. I'm going to put on my glasses for this one. This is the most important one. But then there's the real character. The real character. Real character is how God thinks about me. And he lets you know how he feels about your character when you look in the mirror. I don't care what people say about you. God is showing you all about your character when you look in the mirror. <laughs> Now, what we like to do is we like to look in the mirror and say, I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm not that bad. I'm not that ugly. <laughs> or, when we look in the mirror and it shows us that we are, we say, mm, that's an ugly mirror. You know what? There's no ugly mirrors. There's sometimes an embarrassing mirror, but there's no ugly mirror. And listen, by the way, the world, that's just a fun mirror. Don't get too caught up. It's just a fun mirror. It just distorts. But this, 
What I'm teaching today, what we teach on Wednesday, what we teach on Sunday morning, that's a real mirror. Now God wants you to get to a place where your real character and your perceived character are the same. You do that through restoration. And God wants to make sure that there is no more deceived character. Because why? You see yourself through the eyes of God. Now, how are we going to repair these character breaches? You have to understand something. That character breaches, listen, are exposed through authority. Character breaches are exposed by authority. Now, that's the truth. That's what a teacher does in a classroom. That's what a coach does on a field. That's what a pastor does. That's what a spouse does. And as spouses, you submit yourself one to another because you both have some authority in a marriage. Authority tells you about yourself. And then it is your responsibility to do something about what you see. Not argue with authority. Not try to say, well, this is what I see. No, no, no. You need to begin to take the responsibility to do something about what you have, you see. You can't just do it. For example, if someone pays you to be at a certain place at a certain time and you're not there, that is low character. And I just exposed someone. If you're at work and you're getting paid and you're coming late, that's low character. Why? Because you're being compensated to be there for a set time. And when you are not, you are still in time. I don't care where the traffic was bad. Well, then you know to get up early. See, all the excuses are not going to help you. You are a per- you, you know what? The mirror just showed you. Listen to me close. Listen to me closely. If you are a person that's always late on the job, always have excuse, listen. Here's your mirror. You are a person of low character. Talk to God about it. People are paying you for that. Listen. And when your boss, you know, writes you up, you need to stop trying to get an attitude and fix your character. They need to write you up. Listen, your boss is never going to get saved by a low-character person. Yeah, my, my, my heathen boss needs Jesus. And you know what they're saying? Well, if that Jesus you have still times like you, I don't need him. I know, I know, I know. And listen, don't try to break the mirror. You get seven years bad luck. Just kidding. But that, that was just, that was a free joke. But listen, you can't break this mirror. It's showing you you. Don't argue with it. That, just say, God, you know, say, just say it with me. Nobody's there with you. Cause, you know, and if, somebody, if somebody's sitting with you that you told to join in and everything, you know, just go in the restroom and just, just, just look in the natural mirror and say, I am a person of low character. 
Because God just showed you, you. Point blank has nothing to do with me. Restoration requires to repair my breaches, to, to repair the breaches in my conduct. Our conduct is how we act and how we react. You know how you repair the breaches in your conduct? Through discipline. That's how you repair that. Discipline is simply forced obedience. I'm going to make myself submit and conform to what I have been told to do. Then I have to repair breaches, letter C, in my commitment to the faith. In areas where I am not committed to what God has commanded me to do. What God has commanded me to do, just as he has commanded others. Listen, you know how to repair your commitment to the faith, to your faith, you have to stop making excuses. There you go. You just got your two. Got it going. This is how I repair the breaches in my conduct. I got to stop making excuses. The reason why I don't do that is because I, you know what, I, I know what God wants me to do, but stop making excuses. See, low character, listen, low character causes low conduct, which ends up with poor commitment and excuse making. Ooh, let me say that again. Low character causes low conduct, which ends up with poor commitment and excuse making. I'll say it again. Low character causes low conduct which ends us with poor commitment and excuse making. Listen, the higher your character, the less often you make excuses. A low character person always have a reason why they haven't done what they were supposed to do. High character people do what they're supposed to do. Have you ever noticed that there are some people that no matter what you ask them to do, there's a reason why it's not going to happen. That's called low character. You're just waiting to see which one is going to be this time because there's going to be an excuse. There's an excuse why people don't want to go to church or don't want to go. It's a reason why I'm not going to church today. There's a reason why even today that there are not people in church, not streaming this morning, that even belong to church or living well. There's some, but guess what? Whatever your excuse is, why you didn't come when it was time to come, when we were meeting, or, or you're not streaming now, guess what? Whatever excuse you have, somebody else has the same one and they're here. And they're streaming. They have the exact same one. See, it's just an excuse. Oh, well, I was up late last night. A lot of people was up late last night. Some people work night shift and they still streaming. They still going to church. It doesn't matter. I was, and, and when you say you was up late last night, probably doing something you wasn't supposed to do. And that's another conduct issue. 
<laughs> or character issue. Restoration requires repairing breaches in my natural knowledge. My natural knowledge. Natural breaches are repaired. Listen, natural breaches are repaired with knowledge. Now I'm about to make a statement here. Catch it. Catch it. I want you to catch it. You can't fear learning. That's it. Listen to me. You cannot fear learning. And I have found out in every age range there are people who fear learning. And I just don't understand people that don't want to learn. But in every age just don't want to learn. I don't even understand people that say they don't like something that they've never tried. I just don't. How can you say you don't like what you've never experienced? How can you say that? Oh, you have your little cliches that you say, but it doesn't make any sense. Because how can you say you don't like something that you've never experienced? Well, I just know me. But you don't know that. Because you've never done it. <laughs> you know, my husband got me out of that when we first got married. I was just stickler for just what I wanted. He introduced me to so many different things. And now I love trying anything. I want to try every different everything. But I used to wouldn't try anything. Just say, oh no, I don't like that. How do you know? Well, it don't smell good. If it don't smell good, I know it don't taste good. That's not necessarily true. <laughs> There's a lot of things that don't smell good, but when you eat it, you be like, oh, well, wait a minute now. Don't get caught up with the food. Keep, keep your spiritual mind up front. But let me tell you why many times we fear learning. It's because of pride. Because learning, what? Exposes what we don't know. But why don't you switch it this way? Learning exposes to me what I don't know. I, I'm okay with that. Instead of being fearful that somebody's going to know what I don't know. People, oh, they're going to know I don't know this. Okay. That's why you learn... Switch it over to say, to, to say it this way. I'm going to be I'm going to be exposed to something I don't know, and I'm going to be learning. See, that changes instead of saying, "Oh, they're going to know I don't know this." Hmm. And I'm going to say this because it's true. And. And it doesn't matter what nationality that you are listening or streaming, but listen to me closely. Many of people of my descent and people of color fear learning. It's the truth. We're talking about a mirror. Fear learning. 
What? I don't want to know nothing about no investment. I ain't about to give my money. There. I don't know what they're going to do with my money. I don't want to learn. Don't want to learn no more. I don't want to learn nothing about that. What? What is learn about what? What do you mean eating right? What? I, I look. I look. Mm-mm-mm. All those doctors trying to do is take my money. I ain't. I ain't even trying to hear them. Oh, this is a good one. I don't want to try that. That's white people do that. Ain't that what white people do? <laughs> I know you don't want me to go there, but we're talking about a mirror. I don't want to do. I don't want to go there. That's where white people go. Listen, this is 2020, and I'm about to give you an illumination. Sit up straight on the couch now, because I'm about to give you a 2020. Clarity of vision illumination. For those of you that say, mm, I don't want to go there, and white people go there. Here's your illumination. There's more white in you than you think. How can she say that? She's dark complexed. <laughs> See, unlearned. Just unlearned. There's more white in you than you think. There's your illumination. <laughs> you're not very African anymore. <laughs> and you're not native either. Just, 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 just to throw it out there. Since the mirror is wide open. <laughs> Go check your DNA. You may find out that you are more white than... You're just a darker brother or sister. There's a little natural knowledge for you. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because we don't want to learn nothing. See, I ain't into that. You know what? These people are all in, it, 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 which I call a bunch of hate groups that's going up under the guidelines that, you know, they Hebrews and they for G's and everything and they hate the white man. I, listen, I don't want to hear all that mess. I don't, I don't care about any of that mess. I don't care. Listen, are you going to heaven? I don't care that you can say something in Hebrew, Greek, because all I got to do is go on. I, you can find all those words. We black, Hebrew, we black. See, listen, go do your DNA and you will shut your mouth. With all of that foolishness and unlearned things. All that is, is a black hate group going up on the guidelines with a Jehovah. I don't entertain it. I don't hear it. I got friends that are in it. I've seen them write things about it. And I just fellowship with them. I post what I post. And I talk to them. I ask them out there. We went to school together. But I will not argue with you about that. We are not going to talk about that. Why would I? Proverbs 1. And I'm thinking this might be, a, it might be my last scripture and it might not be. That's the problem. You don't want to stay in front of the mirror, especially when you... Saw. Let me tell you, this kind of mirror, it don't show you that you're ugly, but it'll show, it'll show, show you when you haven't blended well. 
It'll show you clearly that you have. I mean, it gets that 5X on you where you see every little mark. That's all where you are. Just know that. Proverbs chapter 1. Are you there? I'm going to repair breaches in my natural knowledge. If I'm going to repair breaches in my natural knowledge of restoration, it requires, letter A, that I hear instructions. That I hear instructions. Ooh, 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 ooh. I love this. That I hear instructions. Let's, let's just go there. In, your, in chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive instructions of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase in wisdom, and a man of understanding will attain into wise counsel. Are you following me? Keep reading. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. My son... Hear the instructions of your father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains upon thy neck. I'm going to repair the breaches in my natural knowledge. Restoration requires me to hear instruction. Notice that it didn't say you had to be given instruction. We all, listen, we all are given instruction, but we have to hear instructions. There's a difference. We all are given instructions. So the question is, did you hear it? How many of you wish you could, listen, listen. How many of you wish you could go back to your teens and twenties and do what you were told? I mean, it has nothing to do with your life right now because it is what it is. You're in the present. But if you could just think back and you can go back in your teens and twenties and do what you were told. Things that you just didn't hear. You were given instructions, but you didn't hear it. And now guess what you're trying to do? Make up. The things that... If you would have just heard instructions. See, you were given them, but you didn't hear them. And have you noticed now that you talk to your children, and even those that are older, you talk to them, and you speak to them, and it sounds familiar to you. It sounds familiar. You sound like, ooh, wait, I sound like my mother. Ooh, I sound like my father. Ooh, you're starting to sound like them. Where did you get it from? Because you heard instructions. Listen, this is something you should know about me. Every now and then I give people little things that they should know about me. I'm a very interesting person. When a person needs instructions, listen, when a person needs instructions and they won't stop talking, I stop talking. 
Did you hear me? This you should know about me. When you need instruction and you keep talking, I stop talking. You know why? Because I'm not going to cast my pearls among the swines. And it's amazing how many people that need instruction talk too much. Well, the way I see it, well, you know, I, the way I think about it, and what I decided, this and that and that and this, and just keep going on. I want to say to myself, nice talking to you. Because you're not going to follow no instruction. Because I already realized that you don't want to hear instruction. You want me to hear you. And guess what? At the end of the day, you are only going to do what you said. So you're wasting my time. So there's no need of me saying what I think you ought to do. See, you're not ready to hear instructions. But when you are ready to hear instructions, guess what? You close your mouth. I've noticed that. When a person is ready to hear instructions, they will close their mouth. So when you start preparing your response to what you heard, guess what? You didn't hear it. You already, before a person can get it out their mouth, you're already trying to respond. You didn't hear it. But here's what you were saying, but you didn't hear it. Listen, restoring, restoration for repairing my breaching, it requires not only do I hear instruction, but it requires that I get wisdom. It requires that. I get wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge so that it has a beneficial effect. See, it is what you know. It's not what, listen, it's not always just what you know that makes you wise. It, it's not, it doesn't make you wise. It's can you apply what you know. That's what makes you wise. And can you apply it in such a way that it's a beneficial effect in your life and others around you. Can you? Now watch this. Now if you are uh, younger than me and you're a techie person and you all the things that's going on, you have to be very careful because information is not knowledge. And see, we can go all over the internet and all over Googles and all over everywhere and you can get a bunch of information, but that's not knowledge. See, we live in an information-rich environment, but you live in a knowledge-depleted environment. Ooh. Did you hear me? We live in an information-rich environment, but we live in a knowledge-depleted environment. And we're all overrun with information. Listen, just listen to me. Memes are not knowledge. TikToks are not knowledge. Tweets are not knowledge. Instagrams are not knowledge. Posts are not knowledge. Facebook streams aren't knowledge. Likes and thumbs up are not knowledge. Getting texts. That's not knowledge. Clicking on links is not knowledge. Knowledge is deeper than that. And many of us, because we live in this environment, 
where we have all this information just thrown at us and given to us, we think we have knowledge. Knowing every celebrity is not knowledge. Every story, every icon. Know how to do every emoji. Knowing how to twist your face up on a, a, a photo on iPhone. That's not knowledge. <laughs> just, just giving you all kinds of wisdom this morning. Showing you. There's all you have is information, but that's not knowledge. Hmm. Restoration to repair my breaches requires that I gain understanding. I need to gain understanding. Understanding means to practice instructions and wisdom. Gaining understanding means to practice instructions and wisdom. Listen, obedience brings understanding. Understanding does not cause obedience. I'll say it again. Obedience brings understanding. But understanding does not cause obedience. That's why parents, we don't explain everything when we tell our children to do something. We say, don't worry about it, just do it. Because if they do it, they will understand. But if you explain it to you, it doesn't mean they're going to do it. Mm, I hope you're getting this. So I have to hear the instructions and get the wisdom. And then I will get understanding by simply practicing instructions and wisdom. Restoration, restoration point number three, and last point. It requires repairing the breaches in my current condition. Repairing Breaches in my current position, for, uh, condition. See, I have to look at my life and see what places that I have repeated failures. It may be back, it may be because of lack of knowledge. It may be some character or conduct or commitment issues. You have to look at your life. Look at your life. And, he, and, and, and here's how you repair the breaches in your current condition. Listen. You have to make an assessment. If you're going to repair the breaches in your current condition, you have to make an assessment. Church of the Living Water, we and where God has us going and where we are and where He's taking us and for His next move, He is telling us you all have to make an assessment of your life. Listen, restoration requires letter A, that I access my spiritual breaches. Where's your spiritual breaches? Look at your life and say, where are my spiritual breaches? Where are the areas that I'm not doing what God would have me to do? Where are the areas that, of, of repeated failure in my Christian walk? Where are they? Where's the areas where I keep giving the devil access to my life and he keeps pulling me off course over and over again? Hmm. Look at some of your sexual sins. There are areas of repeated failure. And we think that we're failing or we're falling because we want a relationship. No, you're falling because you have a problem with lust. And you have to fix that issue. 
Otherwise, you know what you're going to become? A fornicator and an adulterer. Simply put. Marriage doesn't fix lust problems. Marriage doesn't fix loneliness. Neither does children. Neither does money. If anything, children, money, makes it worse. Restoration requires, let it be, that I deal with my domestic breaches. I have to look in my house. Where are the gaps in my house? Where are the areas of repeated failures in my home? Where are the places where the adversary just continues to get in my house and do work? Hmm. Where are the gaps in my house? Where are the areas of repeated failure in my home? Where are the places where the adversary just continues to get in my house and just wreck havoc? What about your health? Where are the breaches in my health? This is all up under the natural. Are there some areas in my health where the doctors, the ministering of the word, everywhere I'm going, are telling me to address this area and I've not yet, to, yet addressed it? What about my family? Where are the spots in my family that the adversaries seem to be able to take advantage of over and over and over and over again? Ooh, this one is a good one. What about my finances? Mm. Are there some areas I'm just, 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 uh, see, right now I'm just talking about natural life. Right now there's, uh, there's some areas in my finances. Every time the adversary comes, I'm defeated. Spend too much. I didn't budget. I didn't balance my checkbook. Where are those areas? Those are different. Those are areas you have to make an assessment. Then I have to assess my financial breaches. Mm. You mean, Pastor, God can help me with my finances? Of course He can. Well, how? His word teaches us how to live. I have to start living out of my finances within the confines of God's word. I'll say it again. I have to start living out my finances within the confines of God's word. I don't care how much you think you can save and what you think you're going to do. You're not going to do it. You've got to live out your life within the or live out your finances within the confines of God's word. The Bible is a wonderful financial stewardship book. It teaches us how to get out of debt. It teaches us how to stay out of debt. It teaches you the value of investing. And most importantly, most important what what many of God's people don't like to hear, it teaches you how to give. Check it out. You'd be surprised. I've been out of time, but God is not. But I want you, church, look in that mirror and repair who I am. Then we have to look at knowledge. And we have to get instructions. Knowledge. Wisdom. 
then we have to take an assessment of our lives. And we have to fix them. We don't have to not only take a sentence, then fix them. Spiritually, naturally, financially, that is anything that is keeping me from being whole and healthy, I need to fix. It's your time. God is saying to you this morning, it's not by happenstance that you're here. It's not by happenstance that you're streaming. God is trying to restore you. He brought you in. You thought it was for one reason, but it's for a whole nother reason. If you listen, if you take that mirror, if you understand that the Word of God is a mirror and not a window, I can only see myself. When you get in the mirror, you can only see yourself. Don't try to look, don't try to make God's Word a window. Everything that God has spoken today, He spoke strictly to you. And to your family and to your life. He, he, didn't speak, he didn't speak to your parents' house and your house so y'all can all get together and discuss what you thought was right about the message. God is dealing with you individually as well as collectively. And God has said, this is, let me tell you, this is a one-on-one with God. And you got to position yourself to receive it and to act accordingly. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.